Good afternoon. Welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block, hosted today by Mike, Ed P, Ed M, and myself, Steve. Hope everyone is well. Welcome. Hello, guys. How are you? Hey, everybody. Um, is it going to be the consensus that the indictment is the biggest story of the week? Maybe. <laughs> What's that, Mike? As long as uh, the nuclear war with uh, Russia doesn't start this week. Uh, it hasn't started as of 555, right? <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, I'm, I think we all kind of expected this kind of nonsense. And, and uh, I mean, it's like, here we go again. They're just weaponizing. So uh, I guess I'm going to ask a bunch of questions. You yeah. got Turley, Barr, McCarthy saying there is some there there. You got Dershowitz, Levin saying there's no there there. So one question is, is there any there there? Um, two, what's interesting to me is that any of this, was any of this him shooting himself in the foot or that's total BS anyway? And then just the general reactions of everybody across the spectrum is anything surprising? And especially watching Republican candidates squirming mm -hmm. to thread this needle. So those are kind of my questions, if you want to comment. Yep. I mean, I don't know if there's any there there, but given the track record of the ruling class going after Donald Trump, I suspect there's nothing there. Um, you know, this is what, what he's done here is really nothing new. Obama took papers, Clinton took papers, let alone furniture and everything else that was in the White House when he left. Um, and uh, the only way that, that you can really look at this is through the lens of politics, that they're, they're using the, uh, they're weaponizing the justice system to go after conservatives, to go out after Republicans, and, and in this case, obviously, to take down Trump. But of course, we know taking down Trump is taking down us. I don't agree that's the only way to look at it, Mike. I mean, that's one way to look at it. And, and to a large extent, I agree with you, but... I don't think that anybody is above the law, president, ex-president, anybody. I think that we're conflating the fact that there's no there there with whether he should be subject to investigation and prosecution. I mean, the same arguments could have been made about going after Hillary and all of his, you know, lock her up chance. Right. And the only difference is that there was a there there. That's the difference. Well but he was still no, going after that's his, that, huh? That's not the only difference. Go, go ahead. But that's a huge, that's a huge difference. I mean, the, the, he was going after his number one political rival. I mean, no, he wasn't inaugurated yet or no, he hadn't even won the election yet, but he was threatening to prosecute her the same way that Letitia, whatever her name is in New York, threatened to prosecute Trump if she were elected. And I, I mean, and, and on top of that, there is a boatload of criminality that's going on in the Biden administration and, and, and at Democrat levels of government all across this country that if Republicans are ever in charge, it will be it will be metaphorically criminal for them to not prosecute some of these Democrats. So to, to try and to, to, to conflate whether there's a there there, conflate whether there's actual wrongdoing with whether you should go after your political opponents, I think is a gigantic mistake on the part of Republicans. I mean, Biden has opened the door at the southern border. Can we not prosecute him after he leaves office, say, for treason? I'm not saying that we should, but can we not even consider it? Is that just beyond even looking at? Well, I, I mean, mean, we can prosecute. I, okay, so no one is above law. So I, uh, what is the law? I think that's the basic idea uh, behind this particular case. And I think it's the idea behind the Joe Biden has uh, classified documents in his garage case, or Mike Pence has classified documents, or Obama has classified documents. I think this is, uh, you know, I think the facts are the facts. I think the question is the law. Now, Robert Barnes quoted the law. Obama, he, just to, to stop you for a second, Ed, uh, you, you, you can go, but Obama is different than Pence and Biden because Pence and Biden were not presidents when they took right. when they took papers. So there, there's there's legal questions and there's constitutional questions. So Barnes quoted the actual Presidential Records Act, 
in his post. I think I posted it in the chat. And it basically said the president mm -hmm. can determine um, whatever documents belong to him on whatever basis with no review. It's something like that. Some it's some. Well, that's essentially what the what the case against the judicial watch against Clinton case said, too. That's right. Exactly. And, and, and then he quotes, you know, Barnes quotes the decision in the Clinton case, which says basically he has plenary power to determine what documents are his personal property and what aren't. And this is, uh, you know, and it, I'm not saying that but this is not contradictory to others laws. I'm just saying that that's what the court ruled. But does he have to do that in so, any, I, again? Does he have to do that in any formal way? Can he scribble it down? No, no he no. doesn't. And and the, the basis of this, the basis of this is the fact that national security information, as this thing from restricted data, which is defined statutorily, but national security information is whatever the president says it is, and whatever the president doesn't say it is. It's his determination. He can delegate that determination. Now, when you look at Clinton, okay, so the Clinton case is also complicated. And, you know, obviously, if I did what Hillary did, I would be in jail. And if I did what Trump did, I would be in jail. Let's, but let's think about it. The way the president delegates his authority to declare something national security information is he appoints certain people. And the secretaries are those people and the head of the CIA and whatnot as what are called original classifiers. They're the ones who make the determination whether a piece of information in their domain is classified or not. Now, if Hillary Clinton, as an original classifier in the Secretary of State, decided that this piece of information was classified, and then later she said, okay, just strip the classification markings from that and send it. Uh, through regular text, that's fine because she was the original classifier for that data and she can declassify. But if it was like intelligence data, like came out of the CIA and it was classified by the CIA, they're, they're the original classifier. Hillary Clinton cannot declassify that data. She well, cannot case, send it. The Hillary so case. It, it depends on the fact. The Hillary case depends on the fact. The Trump case depends on the law. That's what I'm saying. And we don't know. I mean, we know a lot of facts about Hillary that he was doing all sorts of shady dealings and, and whatnot. Well, and the actual obstructed justice know, by destroying the evidence. Of course. Yes, there's all of that. I'm just speaking on the, the document. Now, the, the constitutional question that the legal question is one thing. The constitutional question is. The vice president is a separate independent constitutional office. And it's a weird office because it's both part of the executive and part of the legislature. The executive really can't write a law of like national security information law and apply it to like Supreme Court justices or the legislature, they just can't do it. So it's not clear that the vice president fits in to the legal framework around national security information. I, I just don't see, I mean, I, I see you can I make disagree, a case. Ed. I think that the constitutional issue is that the president is commander in chief, the vice president is not. That's absolutely true. And I totally agree with that. It's just that, um, can you, in fact, the, the president can't, the, the, the branches are independent and it's not clear where the vice president sits. He is part of the legislature. It's and you cannot write but whether he's part of the legislature or the executive. The, the legislature cannot abridge the president's power, constitutional power as commander in chief. They can't do it. No, but the legislature has the ability to say anything they want, including revealing classified information without uh, punishment. That's what's part of the. That's part right there in the Constitution. I forget which section it is, but they they not, they can do. Yeah, that. I'd like to know which section. I don't think that's in this. I mean, they they can. There's the speech and debate clause, which says that they can't be questioned in any other. Yeah, place. that's the one. But right. that's, that's only for one. that's only for debate on the floor. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But okay, I I you know so that Marjorie Taylor Greene could go on a skiff, see all this information, go on the floor, 
and reveal it all. And she could not be prosecuted. On the floor, not at Mar-a-Lago, not at her private home. Yeah, I, 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 do, I do think that it is a question, it is a constitutional question that I don't know the answer to, where the vice president fits in all of this. And so I'm not ready to say, I, I, okay, did, did Biden do something stupid by putting classified documents abroad? Of course he did. Did Trump do something stupid by mouthing off, uh, uh, which was documented in the indictment, if the indictment is true, because you can never trust the Justice Department anyway? Um, yes, he did. He was an idiot. Trump was an idiot. But that doesn't mean he's violated the law. He's an idiot. We know he's an idiot. But there's a difference between that and violating the law. And I don't think I, I agree with Barnes that there's no there there. This here's, is uh, now Barnes may I'll, I'll give you the third Barnes point and then I'll shut up. He said that the indictment was when you indict someone, you just you know, you you give the indictments and you give the probable cause. You don't have to give all your evidence or anything like that. When an indictment is written like this, where they where they present a lot of evidence in the indictment and they have 37 different charges or whatever, it, it's almost always done for PR purposes. And given the, the federal courts are way behind, this is not going to be tried until after the election. And so he just thinks it's in, it, it, just from a from a way it was done, it was entirely political. It, you, it, for a, a lawyer, from his perspective, who's argued in federal court a lot. When you see an indictment like this, it's a PR, really. It's a press release, not a, a serious thing. Well, so I, I've got stuff to say about the actual indictment, but here, here's the speech and debate clause. It's Article 1, Section 6, the first clause. It starts off, the senators and representatives shall receive a compensation for their services to be ascertained by law and paid out of the Treasury of the United States. They shall, in all cases, accept treason, felony, and breach of the peace, be privileged from arrest during their attendance at the session of their respective houses and in going to and returning from the same. And for any speech or debate in either house, they shall not be questioned in any other place. So that does not give them the ability to reveal classified information off the floor of the house. And it also doesn't give them the ability, the, the power to reveal classified information if it's treason outside, you know, outside the floor of the house. If it's treason, yeah, but it's me making war on our enemies or giving them, um, you know, aid and comfort. And we're not at war. So that can't possibly be treason. Well, but it, it doesn't. But I mean, they can be questioned about speech anywhere else as long as it wasn't made on the floor of the respective house. So the Senate, the vice president is president of the Senate. His legislative office is the Senate. Unless Pence was keeping those documents and, Bi and Biden was keeping those documents in the Senate and speaking about them on the Senate, he's not protected by, by the speech and debate clause. And I certainly understand that reading of the law. And I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying there is a, a broader reading of that that is. Um, and again, it, it, it's like the First Amendment is it, it's freedom of the press. That is, you can have a press in your house and like make books like they Gutenberg or does it mean we can talk on the internet? You know? So I, I again, I, I'm not, I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm just saying that there is an argument for the vice president. As far um, as the evidence that's laid out in that indictment, if you read that indictment, it is replete with references to what Trump's attorneys said and what Trump said to his attorneys. How yeah, that, that's all ridiculous. How that makes it into that, I mean, like you said, that is purely for the purposes of inflaming and politicizing the issue. There is no... How did it even get into evidence? It wouldn't get into evidence. I mean, a complaint doesn't get into evidence. A complaint is just allegations. But No, I mean, how does communication with those attorneys, how does privileged communications get into an indictment? I mean, right. that's well, ridiculous. Why aren't those, and why aren't those attorneys subject to bar proceedings? Why aren't they yeah. being subject to this format? I, I, that just blows me away as a lawyer myself. Yeah, I, I've never, I've never heard that. Judge in the Napolitano of the said, Judge Napolitano gave a two-minute uh, uh, video explaining that if you go to your lawyer and you tell them you intend to commit a crime, that's not privilege. But that's not what this was all about. 
He never talked to his lawyer before the fact. He didn't even know he was doing anything. To the extent that there was criminal activity, and I don't think there was, he talked about it to his lawyers after the fact. You can do, as long as there's no imminent threat of danger and harm to another person, the lawyer is not allowed to reveal that conversation. I mean, unless somebody else overheard it, but I, the, the document doesn't say that somebody overheard him say it to his lawyer. The document says the lawyer said, he said this and he said that. And that, that to me Trump, is- One of Trump's worst- um, Faults. You know, personality traits is he has the inability to pick decent people. Now, finally, he has Harmeet Dillon, um, you know, defending him, and, and she is top notch. Um, but wow, does he pick bad people, especially legal advice? I mean, Michael Cohen, all these guys, they're just awful. What is he thinking? Someone should give him my number. Yeah, exactly. Anybody, and, you know. And I wouldn't worry. We, we can announce it right here on the show right now. Is it true he's stiffing his lawyers? Probably. So he probably you probably shouldn't give him my number, but yeah. Um, so, you I mean, what's the, what's the primary the... law? If you're a lawyer, what do you tell every client? What's what's the one thing that every lawyer tells every client in every situation? Shut the fuck up. And that is one thing that Trump cannot do. He is just physically incapable of not saying whatever pops into his head. So that it's, well, I mean, must be I mean, he's a public figure and he's running for office. You can't I, I wouldn't tell him to shut up, but I would say you need to be coached and you need to you need to talk. Yeah. To us Listen talk to the to coach. Me first before you start running your mouth off. <laughs> yes, but he is constitutionally incapable of that. And as one lawyer said, he is a lawyer's worst nightmare. He's a loose cannon. Um, is are we surprised by any of the Napolitanos and Turleys and others? about their take on this. I mean, Bill Barr, I think, has been bouncing back and forth so fast. He's a ping pong ball. Um, he hates, he loves, he agrees, he doesn't agree. But like Turley, for instance, who I thought has been quite fair the last few years, is it a surprise that he's saying this is bad? No, because I think that unless you understand the argument that Trump can could and did implicitly declassify. If you don't understand that, then this looks pretty bad. Well, the, at, like I said, the whole classification issue does not apply to the president at all. It is based on executive order. That, that go, it, it applies to everyone who the executive order applies to, which is every employee of the federal government. And contractors, we when I'm a contractor, I sign right. something, say, I know this. is. Right. That's why I say, say there's a question of whether it applies to the vice president or not. But it does not apply to the president Correct. at all, well, well, ever, in still, any way. No, but I mean, he, you, still have to, you still have to have an implicit declassification. If there's no implicit declassification and the documents remain classified when he's no longer president, he no longer has that protection. I don't know. Somebody right. I know said was, somebody asserted that the minute he takes them, by definition, they're declassified. I don't know. Well, that's what I mean. Unless that, you understand that argument of implicit declassification, yeah. this looks pretty bad. That that was my question, right? Because before I was asking about a, a formal procedure, which obviously there's not. But if he if he just takes it, it and it's in his head, I'm declassifying this up here. A friend of mine was was sharing how, how a story you, how about could you possibly prove anything against him. A, a friend of mine was sharing a story about Jimmy Carter pulling some document out at a press conference during his term that was highly top secret, and he showed it to the world. To I don't remember what I think it was with the Iranians or somebody to to prove his point. And the second he did that, it immediately became a declassified document. He didn't break any law. Yeah, and you know, so that's that's part of the precedent for what's going on. Uh, the guy is a military but, guy, and you know that was his position on that. Uh, but it, also, I mean, it, we're talking about president, vice president. The president clearly has more protection than the vice president does. Right? I don't think the vice president has any protection, honestly. Yeah. So you know, Biden clear, clearly, this is getting to the whole hypocrisy, 
the two-tiered system of justice that we have. Hillary gets away with everything. Biden gets away with everything. And uh, yet they come after uh, Trump. But the other thing is, like, before you were mentioning, like, you know, he was going to go after Hillary. I mean, listen, he, he was, that's just Trump. He blows a lot of smoke. But, you know, there, there is a big difference between somebody who has been president and whether, as a country, th- this is what we want to see. Well, you know, after yeah. Ford said to president that, you, you know, you don't want the country going through this. It's interesting that now we've chucked that. I want to kind of emphasize. Uh, no, let me just interject point. before you move on, Stephen. I was about to quote you. How can you do that? Go ahead. Quote me. <laughs> I, I wanted to emphasize your point that we have to be careful saying don't go after a president because we're locking ourselves up. And you're 100 percent correct. We don't want to be doing that. We don't want to give up our right. To right. After Harvard. Right. That's what I was going to say. If if we fast forward, you know, from now to, to January 21st, 2025, and a Republicans in office, uh, there are things I mean, I'm not ready to arrest Biden just because I haven't done the investigation, but I certainly think he should be investigated for a whole bunch mm-hmm. of things. And right. I mean, I, I think it requires a high bar. Right. I mean, there I, I is don't... a difference, though. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously the Roman Republic. Right. So let we all understand what happened there. That's the risk. That's why the founders kind of implicitly, uh, you know, there's a lot of implicits in the Constitution, but that's basically why the founders don't want us to do that. On the other hand. What can you do? You know, we didn't start this war. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if. Republicans gain power, they they have to finish it. Right, but they've put themselves in the horrible position of if they ever do go after somebody, which is unlikely, that they're going to be told, I don't understand. You guys kept saying you can't do this, you can't do it. It's not good for the country. And I think that's where Ed's point is so important. Nobody should be making that argument. They're burying themselves. Um, Now, Biden will probably be dead long before he's ever really investigated for what he's doing. Um, so I think no. Yeah, he'll die in office. Out, it's going to moot out that way. Um, but you're 100% right, Ed. You know, it, it's fascinating to me because part of me hears that argument. This is proof that we're a great democracy because we can prosecute presidents. As you guys know, at least two Israeli prime ministers have done jail time. Um, I don't know. And a third is... Yeah. I don't know if that makes you a functioning democracy or a joke. I, I tend to think it makes you a joke but I'm not 100% convinced either way. Well, they're tied with, with the Italians as jokes. <laughs> like I said, I, I think it needs to be a, a higher bar. Um, you know, listen, some of the things that Biden's are accused of, by, you know, selling out the country. I, to me, that's a high enough bar for me. When you're taking money from China and all these other countries and you're selling out your own country's interests. You know, the, Trump has done nothing, nothing remotely like that. Is anything Burisma thing Trump is, is really Trump is, serious? What? The Burisma thing is really serious. It's a very, very serious crime. Especially and, if that uh, phone call is validated. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's and, so and, fascinating yeah. how, and a lot of people keep saying it, Trump was impeached. Yeah. asking about something that everybody knew was true at the time they impeached that. that there's something so heinous about that. And I, I don't know, other than tarring and feathering several hundred people, I don't uh, know what you do about that. They'd probably probably be on their way to their third impeachment right now if they hadn't. Uh, oh, if he were in office. I, I mean, <laughs> it's everything well, yeah. is so upside down backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if if he wins again, they're going to come after him for this, right? And the house switches again. And I think it's interesting, you know, they're they're going after, you know, the FBI people over those ten twenty threes and stuff, and you're yelling at them. But why shouldn't the FBI be smug? You know, I love listening to these congressmen saying, "Who do you think you are that you don't have to answer to the American people?" And I'm like, "Cause we don't." <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Much the answer? Nothing. So why shouldn't they laugh in their faces? I mean, what Biden is alleged to have done, and seemingly there's a lot of proof that he's mm-hmm. done, is as bad as anybody's ever been accused of. Uh, I mean, the Hillary emails were bad, too. Yeah. 
the Hillary email. Beyond bad. I mean, that was just awful. And you got to give her credit. She's out there trying to sell her, but the emails, hats. I mean, you talk about chutzpah. <laughs> In your uh, face, I yeah. got away with it and you won't. It's just... Those emails were subpoenaed for, for crying out loud. Yep. Now, what's great is McCarthy and a couple of others, have, you know, they're going on, I think Graham, they're going on shows with Stephanopoulos and these types of people and ripping into them and saying, you know, you, you hired Clapper, you hire liars, you guys deny everything. We're not answering any of your questions. And mm. it, it's kind of refreshing to see them doing that to the left on the left shows. Like you guys have zero credibility with all this. Cause like, well, Hillary's got nothing to do with it and don't bring up Biden. Well, you know what? You guys lie about everything. We're not gonna answer anything. And if that's an interesting tack. I don't bother watching those shows anymore, but I'm I don't, but I'm hearing clips. I know. <laughs> There's a lot I haven't watched. The worst I've before. ever heard, uh, Diana West, the historian journalist, uh, has discovered incredible information that the Roosevelt administration shipped nuclear materials to the Soviets in World War II. Now, we were, quote unquote, allied with them at the time. But the, you know, the historical story is oh there was this atomic spy and he was in uh, um you know los almos and he gave away the plan and and that's true um but you know actual materials and machine tools and whatnot were were put on planes the records of these exist to send to russia dealing with how to with, with the actual manufacturing of nuclear weapons. So that is, that's probably the worst crime I've ever heard in the history of the United States committed by a, uh, an administration. Um, but I, you know, taking money from China and taking money from interfering in Ukraine, you know, is just this process for large amounts mm -hmm. of money. That, that's got to With all due respect, to be you got to throw in there assassinating a president. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't done by a president, obviously. But it was done by the um, government, quite probably. But I mean, it was done by the government, yeah. When you talk about crimes done by high people in the government, it, you know, uh, again, I, I've said it many times on this show, I used to believe in America, and I'm at the point where nothing would surprise me if it came out, and that's so depressing. I'm an American patriot, but I'm a patriot to the country and the Constitution, not to the clowns that... Uh, have perverted the country and the constitution. Right, and I think it's um, a lot amen. worse than we thought forever. And that's not a good thought. Um, yeah. So Haley said a quote of charges are true. He was reckless. It's just interesting watching. I think Vivek has come out pretty strongly against the indictment, if I'm not mistaken. It's really interesting watching them trying to, you know, hedge their bets here. Vivek has uh, taken a pledge to pardon Trump if he's elected, and he's asked all the Republican candidates to take the same pledge. And I think this is fantastic. Well, yep. I, think, I think it's a great move because it definitely. Puts right. I think Vivek is actually positioning himself well to be the vice president. And, you know, let's be honest, he's not going to win the presidency, but but he's really good. I mean, Vivek is really good. He is a. He's a, he's a well-spoken, intelligent, educated libertarian. He's sort of the best chance we've ever had to get a libertarian type close to the presidency. I, I think Vivek is, is great. More than Ron Paul. I second that. I think he well, is. I mean, Ron Paul was never close to the presidency, but I mean, Trump is not going to nominate Pence again for the vice president. So, I mean, we're going to get a new vice president. And that's who, and it's not going to be DeSantis, right? If Trump wins the nomination, he's not going to appoint DeSantis. So who is it? It's not going to be Chris Christie. It's not going to be Nikki Haley. It's not going to be Asa Hutchinson, right? Could be Vivek. He's kind of high on the list. And boy, wouldn't that be fantastic. I mean, that would just be fantastic to have him as vice president. They're a Huckabee. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to be her. Now, she's going to be the governor, or she already is the governor of Arkansas, mm -hmm. Sarah Huckabee. She already is. Not going to be Kaylee McEnany, yeah. although, believe me, you. believe me, 
she would be fantastic. That woman is smart as a whip. And you, you know, uh, she if, would be a fantastic. If Trump husband. does uh, win the nomination, that's going to be an interesting and telling choice, I think. Yeah. If it's Paul Ryan, you know, we, we might as well all just move into the woods, you know. Yeah. You know, get a bow and arrow and hunt hunt deer in the woods, well, you know, and that's it. I think we're done. The it'll be country's over. Sign. Put a fork in it. It'll be a clear sign if Trump has learned anything. Very unlikely. Yeah, that's true. Age. You know, it's interesting. Bongino's been yelling that he thinks Trump's in physical danger. And, you know, it really is fascinating to see how does the Secret Service deal with these various things. And he's saying that the NYPD was much stronger protecting Trump when he was indicted up here than the Secret Service was down there. And I have no idea if it's true, but that's what he's saying. But, you know, in Israel, they had to build a security wing for prime ministers in the jails. I mean, how do you put the president in jail? Do you keep Secret Service with him? Like what, I mean, bottom line, what are these people thinking? Well, nobody's gonna believe it if he commits suicide. Oh, everybody. All, all of our, all of our, um, I mean, we could have a whole discussion and someday maybe we ought to uh, about, you know, the screwed up of our, our justice system and the, the prisons. The, the, the prison system is designed both to confine, but also to torture uh, inmates. And, um, you know, some people commit horrific, horrific enough crimes that, you know, torturing them is is not high on my list of priorities to solve. But a substantial fraction of the people in these horrific prisons um, are, you know, what might be called white collar criminals or or um, you know drug you know drug criminals who aren't you know engaged in murder. You know, like a lot of them are, and and like I get it that you want to sort of segregate them from the main populace because they've they've really they've become outlaws but jesus i mean putting them in this these sorts of hell holes like the dc jail like the j6 people have been even if they were guilty which they aren't um it's just it's it's literal torture and i i just don't understand like okay if trump is convicted on these bogus charges um you know they're felonies he goes to jail but i mean he shouldn't go into one of these horrific dungeon torture chambers like the J6 people. I, 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 and I can't imagine them doing it. I mean, it'd have to be like on home release. Well, they, they I, I don't know. I don't know. So, I mean, they, they want him in the worst. Yeah, which is another, which is one of the worst torture uh, chambers. The D.C. jail is the worst, but Rikers Island is right up there. As how far do you as... separate a president from his secret service? How do you, I just don't get it, bottom line. I mean, the president's just got too many secrets. There's just too much at risk. Well, I mean, I'll tell you the answer to that. You're not going to like the answer to that, but I will tell you the answer to that. The United States has a unitary executive. That's the answer. Biden's in charge. He tells the Secret Service, don't protect that guy. And the Secret Service says, well, you know, the law says we didn't. Just ignore the law. Don't protect him. And then the Secret Service is not going to protect him. And you say, well, but they're ignoring the law. It's like, so what else is new in the Biden administration? They, uh, look at all the laws they're ignoring. I mean, ignoring the law is the Biden administration platform. So, I mean, like, did they just tell him not to do it? I mean, does anybody think it's I'm wrong? It's the party platform. <laughs> yeah, it's the party platform. Ignore the law. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, scary. you know, I was in the airport the other it was the airports is somewhere and it was somewhere and there was this um oh, it was an office building i think and there was this but there's something similar in the airport and there was this like wall of all sorts of like snacks and and sodas and and you know little things of of like advil or you know toothbrush or whatever just just all over the wall and there was this um um you know terminal where you go and uh, you pick the things off and you you scan them and then you um you pay for them and i didn't i didn't see a camera you know and if, if it did have a camera i didn't find it so why don't i just go up and just take what i want and leave well you know i didn't and 
because it was in a place where people, where the people who are in that place are in a culture that doesn't do that. But so like half the country is moving towards, ah, we don't need to check out people. You just, just, you know, you're honorable people. You do it on your own. And the other half of the country is moving towards a place where there are no stores because the culture in that place is they just go in and take as much stuff as they want without paying. That is the cultural divide in the United States. And the Democrats are on the side of the second group of people. Is that really the cultural divide? I mean, when you describe it like that- Yes, I honor think of and a, dishonor. They, they, they deserve what they're getting. Oh yeah, yeah, they deserve the food deserts, right? I mean, they just, they, yes, they absolutely deserve the food deserts. But then what the government does is like, well, we'll extend the bus lines out to the suburbs so that they can go <laughs> loot the stores in the suburbs. Um, and I've seen that happen too. My, sister worked in a, in a store way the hell out in the suburb and people would come in and just take stuff. And, uh, what's she, what she's supposed to do. She's, she's, you know, it's a woman. She's not like strong or anything. You just let you them know, take that it. Reminds me of the, that sort of reminds me of the story of the, of the Westchester and Rockland counties, you know, trying to prevent sanctuary city, New York, the migrants bringing the migrants in. And basically, it's the same issue. The you know New York City is trying to export crime to the suburbs, and the suburbs are saying, "Well, hey, if you want it in your city, that's your business, but you can't bring it to us." And you know the courts are stopping it when it comes to the migrants. I think that's wrong. I mean, you know, there's a you know a, you know each each brand each uh, government entity is sovereign. And there's supposed to be no extraterritoriality. You're supposed to only be limited. Your jurisdiction is limited to the territorial integrity of your, of your, where your government presides. And, you know, to- The federal courts have no jurisdiction in this, right? I mean, if, if Westchester County says no migrants, then what does the federal government have to say about it? But on the other hand, like every hotel that these migrants go to has been completely tracked completely right. utterly destroyed right so if you're a hotel owner who in their right mind would allow their hotel or, or uh, to be uh, uh, and the problem is they're all you know if they're franchisees that's one thing but if they're all owned by the national company and the national company is controlled by the wef and the, the dei and the you know and the various scores what are the the, the you know esg and all of that they say so, well, we have to do that. And then they just try have their entire hotel track. But if you're a franchisee or you own this hotel, I would never under a million, I would never rent it out to migrants, uh, even if the government was paying over, you know, the rack rate. That's That would be crazy. I mean, they'd have to pay five times the rack rate because you'd have to re completely redo the hotel after the migrants are there. These are not civilized people. Let's be honest. They, they, they don't even know how to go to the bathroom. A lot of them. It's, it's that bad. Where, I mean, what's the story the out of the United Kingdom. You're going in and out. Again? Oh, am I going in and out? Yeah, I don't know if it's us or you, but you're going in and out. That's yeah, for me, it's me. For me the computer well. sucks. Um, what's the source of the law that if DeSantis sends migrants, it's kidnapping, but if Adams sends migrants, it's not? Law? What do you mean? <laughs> it, it, it's you don't know whether to laugh or cry. I mean, the yeah. same moment Adams is doing it is the same moment DeSantis is doing it. I, I actually don't think it's exactly the same because, again, Florida has a right to say we don't want these people, and if New York City is is passing rules or passing laws that are attracting people into the country for the purposes of eventually getting there, that's different. They have, it, it, for, for DeSantis to say, okay, you, you asked for them here, you got them. That's not the same thing as, as Adams said, turning around and saying, well, we got too many of them. We're sending them back to you. So I'm I not disagreeing with that. I'm, I'm just sarcastically commenting on the fact why it's bad if he does it and good if Adams does it. Um, 
And let's face it, um, the purpose of New York City, I mean, <laughs> the whole purpose of New York City is the place to put immigrants where they can, you know, meld into this, you know, somewhat non-existent melting pot. That's the point. We wouldn't have a New York City. That The whole point of New York City is to do that. What I object to is trying to make every city in the country just like New York. Um, and But for the New York mayor to say, oh, we don't want immigrants in our city because, um, you know, we can't, we can't deal with them. It's like, what about like every yeah. immigrant that has ever come right. to the United States? They all happened, gone what, happened to, what happened to the uh, diversity and inclusion? Yeah. You know, we can't handle 500, but Texas can handle 10,000 every day. It's, um, yeah. Again, mind boggling, but hierarchy, not hypocrisy, as we and they say. All right, Mike, what do you think are the other important stories of the week? Um, you know, the one story that really got my attention this week was out in California. And, um, you know, the Heritage Foundation had a story on it that I shared with you guys. They're, they're trying to pass a law there that would basically criminalize um, parents not affirming the gender of their child. I mean, th this is how sick and insane these people have, have become. But I mean, it's just like the next step in the logical progression of where they're going because they they want they're they're targeting our children in the schools and you know from the the moment they get to into the school with this crazy radical sex sexualized agenda, um, and they're they're trying to put a wedge between kids and their parents, um, and this just goes to a higher higher level to the fact that they're they're going to potentially imprison parents who don't affirm the gender of their their kid it's, it's sick so i guess one way of looking at it is that this is a good thing as other people have mentioned on the show for a long time you know it's almost the trump thing you're you're forcing them to show who they really are um they, they're not afraid to show who they are at this point though i'm saying well, they're so radical and so insane and not hiding it anymore. And I think it's up to people to self-sort. I don't know that there is any other solution. Those who think DeSantis oh. is a form of fascism should move there. And, uh, you know, that it's a good thing. And those who like California should move there. Well, listen, the other topic that we've discussed, I brought up the last couple of weeks, is the insurance market there, how, um, you know, State Farm, Allstate, and apparently some others are not offering new homeowner policies there. This is great. I mean, it, it speaks to some of the, the stuff we've been talking about. They have to lie in the bed that you make, right? You reap what you sow. So what are people going to do if they can't get homeowner's insurance? If a, they're a new home buyer and it's required by the lender, who's going to buy a new home there? Well, we know the government will step in and fix it. Well, that, that was my prediction. And was right. that sooner or later the government's, you know, it'll be government. The, the other, the other option for people is to continue what's already been happening is just self-sorting, people voting with their feet and going to other states. So let let California crumble into the sea. I don't see any other solution. California's not going to change. And apparently, people like San Francisco being the way it is. What can we do to get California to get into the sea? Is there anything yeah. that we can do? I'll send well, Lex, for that Lex Luthor. I guess, I guess, yeah. Yes. Lex Luthor yeah, Lex Luthor. That. <laughs> well, that's why we would support any serious effort at their seceding. Because then, there's a whole bunch of reasons to get rid of them. Well, it's like you said, Stephen, in a way, then we applaud when they're doing these radical things with, with parents and they're destroying their insurance market because sooner or later, people are... The exodus is going to hasten and people are going to leave. I mean, it, it frustrates me when, and I have some contact with Californians, no, we're going to stay and fight and we can change the state. And I'm like, yeah, you're going to change California, you're going to change New York. Not happening. Go to a state like Florida, go Tennessee, maybe, maybe Texas, maybe New Hampshire, maybe Wyoming. You're not saving California. I was out yeah. in California last week and uh, 
I first went to Laguna Beach, um, visit a friend and uh, walked around the beach. And it was California of old. You know, it, that, it, it, it was 80s California. Yeah, a little bit more diverse, uh, you know, skin color wise. But basically, it was uh, beautiful, lots of uh, very, very rich people, <laughs> and not me, um, and uh, walking around, walking their dogs, playing on the beach, having fun. And then I went to Ventura, and, uh, you know, at lunch, I went to the beach one day, and there was like uh, three or four school buses of kids there just playing on the beach, uh, playing volleyball, you know, it's, and, and that was old California, too. So, like... 70s, 80s California does still exist, but it's all, you know, to the west of the 405. I mean, to the extent that you go east of the 405, you, you don't even recognize it as the United States anymore. Yeah. Um, I mean, and where, where really, were you? Is it really San Diego where the mob beat up those Marines? Yeah. It was, was I mean, yeah, that was in Mexico, wasn't it? You, you take a step no, it, back. It was in California. It, it just, you know, it really is sad because I just remember as a kid growing up, I, I, you know, somebody growing up in New Jersey, I, I think of California and it's like California was like it. You know, there was. Yeah, I went to college special. out there. I lived there for four years. There's just something special about the whole idea of California and. It's taken one generation to destroy it all. It's it's just well, more. I think it's like two generations. I mean, Ed, when you were out there, that was in uh, Berkeley's heyday of city. I was there between and, 1986 and 1990. So kind of after the worst of it, no? What do you mean? After? Yeah, the the, the all the, riot the riots and stuff and was stuff. in the 60s. Yeah, yeah, 60s, 70s. Yeah. Uh, and you don't have um, the L.A. riots till after that, which was a bit of a... Correct. Turn. The Rodney King riots Rodney were King. about a year and a half or two years after I left. Mm -hmm. and, and that was a bit of a flashpoint for the state, I'd have to say. You know. But the, I mean, just they, they vote for wacko legislators um, and they... They're getting what they want and getting what they deserve. And sadly for the few, you know, there may be hundreds of thousands of good people there, but mm. they're not enough to do anything. And sadly, you know, there's no point in staying there. I hate to say it, the beaches are nice. Okay, what are these? These little beach cities are primo. Some of them are gorgeous. Yeah. And Laguna Beach, Manhattan Beach, even Ventura, which is kind of a shitty town. It's, you know, Primo Beaches, Santa Barbara, Primo. But they're little islands of mm -hmm. the past that have this sure. tie has not quite gotten to yet. I'm sure they will be destroyed. Go. Well, there's little islands of great places in New York State. Mike, was it course, you yeah. saying that they're starting to destroy even northwestern New Jersey? Well, yeah. I mean, we just had our primaries uh, last week. And um, I would say the the establishment candidates uh, eked out a victory for the assembly primary races. So there, there was four candidates and um, two who and, and I mentioned this, too, I think uh, last week was the fact that a lot of these unions that are traditionally backing Democrats, throwing their money at Democrats are now uh, involved in Republican races in New Jersey and they had they had an impact there's no question about it that they're having an impact so i think i'm worried that a couple of these candidates who won and likely will win uh the assembly race in the fall are going to be beholden to the gas tax union here in new jersey and they'll be coming back for a more why do you say beholden I, they they agree with them they don't need to be beholden well listen um just as an example, Parker Space was in the assembly and he's going to be going to the Senate. The last time around when there was a big uh, debate over the gas tax, he didn't vote for it. Now, I'm worried that he'll vote for it. Okay. So whoever, whoever was uh, representing people in that district, Sussex County, mainly Northwest New Jersey, was not voting for that gas tax like the last time. That took New Jersey from one of the lowest to one of the highest and also had a trigger in there for automatically increasing the gas tax every year, depending on revenue. Okay, those, those representatives were not voting for the gas tax the last time they didn't do it. 
this is supposed to come up again next year. And now I'm concerned that they may have three Republican votes in what used to be the most conservative district in the state. I don't know if I mentioned this last week or if it happened yet, but you know, the New York State Senate apparently has passed a 20 mile an hour speed limit for New York City. Why would anybody but want only, to be driving into New York City anymore? Anyway? But only for white people, right? I mean, come on. I, I, I go to New York occasionally. We go see a show. We're walking through Times Square. It's 1130 at night. And there's like a billion cars trying to drive through Times Square. Now, what are those people thinking? I don't care where you're going to and from. No, uh, you know, Google maps or ways or anything is going to tell you, oh, yeah, the best way to get from where you're going to where you want to be is drive right through Times Square at 1130. Well, that was why the Harry and Meghan story blew up. Remember? Do it. Yeah. Harry and Meghan said they were in a two hour high speed car chase in Manhattan. Yeah, yeah, two hours. Yeah, it's like who goes twenty miles an hour? Who goes but, any but miles in the outer uh, boroughs per mile? Right now, the what, outer boroughs it, it is twenty five, and it's unbearable to drive at twenty five. And because somebody else got killed, they're very likely it's going to go down to twenty, which doesn't surprise me. At and, all. and how are they going to enforce it? Like a parking ticket? Like they, they, they can enforce it selectively. Red light camera. Oh, it's all enforced by camera. Uh -huh. so, so it, you're not getting points. No, you cannot. Like yeah, you, you right. can no longer do uh, enforcement by camera. That's racist mm -hmm. because it disproportionately right. tickets black. Well, I got to tell you something. No, you can't, you can't get points on it. It can't be a criminal conviction. It can only be. But a it's a lot of money. Line. And the irony is that policemen get those camera tickets so they can do uh, 100 miles an hour over the speed limit and not get pulled over. But they're getting wow. those tickets. I know firsthand, and I find yeah, that kind of ironic. First they, of all, they do enforce it, and it's right. twenty miles an hour is almost bicycle speeds. Well, I can tell you, being from New Jersey, I don't want to go to New York anyway. So first of all, that's the first best decision you can make is not go. Number two, if you're trying to drive around Manhattan, you're going to have trouble doing twenty miles an hour anyway. In most, no, it's not Manhattan, but in Queens, it's a big problem. Oh, God. And I assume in Staten Island as well. It's, mm -hmm. have you ever driven 20 an hour? <laughs> uh, yeah, listen. I mean, I know they have the red light cameras there. So anytime I'm in the city, uh, I'm, I'm extra cautious. Well, they also have the bus lane cameras. I don't know where else has it, but, yeah. you know, if you go into the bus lane three seconds early to make a right turn, and they, they're actually bustling cameras on buses now, I believe. Mm -hmm. So and, and, and I gotta stay the heck out of that city. I know. I I I, mean, I, hey, I, I describe I, myself as a New Yorker in the diaspora, but I don't think I want <laughs> next year in Jerusalem to be in New York City. No, 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 Ed, I will always come to Jersey to see you. I will never ask you to come to New York. Like I say, I'm so, happy all my kids escape because New York is and then they have the congestion uh, pricing, don't they? Or did they're, they? They're yeah. doing that, aren't they? It is coming. It was into it, effect. I don't know if it was implemented yet, or it was in the works for a number of years. I saw something so. that sounded like it was implemented, and I was surprised because I don't drive in the yeah. city much. But you got to be careful about crossing the, the the line into Lower Manhattan. <laughs> yeah. So again, you're stupid to want to drive into the city now. I have to leave a little bit early tonight, so I wanted to do my last thing. And it's like there was this big controversy about a, an alleged trans person at um, the White House for Pride Day. But and I wanted to show this, but like that's Kamala, isn't it? I mean, doesn't that look like oh, Kamala, Kamala Harris? I, I, th I, I think that is Kamala. I don't think that's a trans person. I think that's the vice president. I, I'm wow. I'm almost certain that. It, it there's nothing there. I mean, it looks just like Kamala. So I mean, that was my. I heard. I heard they were fake. Um, but uh, well, you know, I'm I'm on the wrong side of the argument. I understand, but I have a problem with the general debasement of our culture. And I get people are people. I'm an adult, and I don't really care what people do on, on their own time. But doing that at the White House. It rubbed my old-fashioned, you know, old fogey sense. Really, really. Why do you think that puts you on the wrong side on this show? It puts me on the wrong side with people. I'm very surprised it puts me on the wrong side because the argument I had the other day, and I, I think nobody agrees with me, is I believe Joe Rogan should kill himself and get off the air. I think anybody who can't talk without saying C-U-N-T five times an hour 
doesn't belong in human society. And I don't think very many people agree with me. I, I um, We never use that language on this show. Um, I spent a lot of my life telling my kids, if you have to use that language, you don't have a point to make and it cut, undercuts your point. But we live in a country where everything is, um, I guess, gross for lack of a better word. I can only think of the Jewish word for it. Everything Which is? Crust, grub, um, I'm just low class. Just low class. Low class. And do, does everybody curse? Yes, everybody curses. Do cops curse, firemen curse, army people curse? Of course they do. But to me, there's certain things that if the public is no longer sensitive to, we're gone. Now, is that part of the Paul Ryan and the culture war story that's out there that, and I bring this up for you, Ed, because of what you always say, you know, we shouldn't be fighting the culture wars. To me, the culture wars are also part of this general debasement of our culture. I say we shouldn't fight the culture wars? No, you said that you changed your mind. We definitely should. Oh, yeah. That's why I'm bringing it up. And Paul Ryan just made the statement the other day that we shouldn't be fighting them. And to me, part of culture wars is not just, you know, the IE and ESG, et cetera, et cetera, but it's just a general lack of class. And am well, I- Well, and in that I'm sense, isn't old. Trump part of the problem then? I don't know that he's part of the solution. And um, at least he doesn't wear shorts in public. You know, I come from the generation where still you stood up for teachers a little bit. Um, and I remember being shocked when teachers first wore shorts. I just, I think we were a better world when people wore gloves and hats, even if they were just as low class in their private lives. I think we've debased the culture so bad. Well, I want to uh, one up Ed maybe here because he reminded me of something. I'm going to share my screen. Oh boy, this is ace. What is that? Oh my God. Well, what is that, by the way? That is the uh, Tony Award winning actor in a musical. So okay. I want, my question for the Tony Award people, whoever they may be, is how come there's there's not a non-binary category? Because that's what this person described themselves as. Why? Why are they in the male category for best actor in a musical? Yeah. Well, first of all, why did it become illegal to use the word actress? Uh, yeah, the, I, I think they have an actress category. I think it's very. No I, one refers to themselves as an actress. I mean, you, nobody says actress. Everybody's right. an actor, which insults my grammar sense. Um, yeah. And by the way, is Tony with a Y or an I? And is that part of this problem? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's a good point, Stephen. It's very, it's very uh, male. And if it's an I, it's Tony, the person Tony it with, with a, a Y, it's, which is. Obviously, the masculine. That that's what I'm thinking. So yes, I, you bring up another good point there. Gee, thank you. But it, it is a legitimate question, is it not? How come there there is not? I mean, there's twenty thousand genders. How can we just now limit these categories to actor and actress? I don't I don't get it. That's what the sports community is saying. It's uh, you know. Let all these people into uh, women's sports. I think you guys are just saying, I think you're just saying that you know the, the, <laughs> that these award shows aren't long enough for you now, and you want them to have more categories so that they can be on longer. Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> uh, let's just say I was subject to watching this the other day. I, I get okay. it, and I won't even ask you further questions. I understand your. Well, I, I was just going to say I, I heard. DeSantis referred to as the Grand Wizard down in Florida. Um, I think he should. Anyway, uh, well, wait a minute. Tell me if he could be majority for the, leader for the Democrats, doesn't it? Far for the course. Hey, remember that uh, that poster some somebody did of Ted Cruz with the tattoos and the cigarette and everything looked like a badass. Yep. He should have embraced it, and the same thing. DeSantis should do that with embrace it with the glant reser, not in a clan outfit, but like like as Gandalf and like robes and a giant staff and what like he's the, he's the grand wizard that's going to save all of Middle Earth. He should adopt it. He should go with it, hundred percent. Mm. <laughs> you got to take what your enemies say and turn it back against them. 
uh, not I'll by saying I'm not that you're that, but by uh, by adopting their thing and uh, making it good. It's like Trump. I mean, if there's a if there is a a uh, what do they call it? A lineup picture of Trump, a, an arrest picture. What do they call mug it? Shot, a mug shot. Mug shot, yeah. yeah. And that will be the best selling T-shirt in the history. Oh, of Mark America. Dice has been pimping them for quite a while already. Yeah. Well, he, those are fake. I mean, a real. One. Yeah. Well, how do you know what's real and what's fake anymore anyway with AI? Who yeah. Knows? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which speaks to that Photoshop picture of uh, what was it? Trump hugging Fauci. Is that Photoshop? Yeah, the DeSantis campaign put out a picture of Trump uh, hugging Fauci, which was faked. And, and again, I always say, if you have the argument, you don't need to put out that kind of garbage. You know, Trump mm -hmm. gave enough to Fauci without having to make him hug him. But, and again, I think he's so ridiculously vulnerable on that. So, mm -hmm. will be interesting. Okay. Well, my, my two comments before we go are, um, welcome back, Tucker. He's come back this week with three new videos. Uh, his attorney, Harmeet Dillon, is boycotting Fox News and encouraging everybody else to boycott Fox News. I have not watched Fox News since he, since he was fired. Um, and they're using exactly the argument that we talked about on the show a couple of weeks, the last couple of weeks. Tucker is just putting out posts on Twitter and he's not selling them. He's not monetizing them. And Fox is trying to silence him. So uh, welcome back, Tucker. I think that if you haven't listened to his videos, you should. He's saying some really important things. Um, and I guess the only other thing that we didn't cover that uh, I wanted to mention, I think that uh, is, is the Trump and the Trump people demanding that everybody else withdraw from the race and unite behind Trump as if that's the only way you can oppose this indictment. And, you know, what I wanted to say is just that my take on it is that Trump is a victim, but Republicans do not exalt victimhood. And he, he, is, he is holding up his victim status like any pathetic Democrat holds up a victim, victim status. And I don't care how legitimate it is. I don't care how real it is. Uh, you know, we've got third world migrants that are legitimately escaping poverty and a whole bunch of other things. I don't care how needy they are. I don't care how victimized they've been. You know, I, I'm not saying that we can't have uh, uh, refugee laws for the migrants, but in general, your need is not a claim on me. Your victim status is not a claim on me. <clears throat> Grow up, fight, earn the nomination, make your case. That's what I say to Trump and all the Trump supporters. I may vote for you. I, I like you. I still like him. But uh, this notion that we need to have everybody withdraw from the race, and that's the only way you can oppose this indictment, is just so ridiculous. And it's it, it, it diminishes Trump's candidacy unnecessarily. He has arguments to make. And for some reason, he's making crappy arguments. You know, you, we talked a little earlier in the show about him getting bad legal counsel and hiring bad people. Uh, he's He's got bad advisors on this, I think, too. Well, I think you're pretty mild on that because when I hear so many of his people, you know, the Steve Bannons, et cetera, et cetera, who's saying, that's it, this is it. Anybody who's running against him, blah, blah, blah. Everybody should get behind. I, it infuriates me. That's a reason to destroy the country and not vote for the person who's going to be the best. I, I have zero patience for that. Argument. When is preemptive surrender a good strategy? I, I can't. I And like you've said so well, Ed, and I know you've written it on, in other places, that has nothing to do with defending Trump from horrible political attacks. It doesn't mean everybody should just move aside for him. I can't. I don't right. know. Like a two-year-old thing, and it really infuriates me. So. Right. That's why I wanted to mention it. Exactly right. He is a victim, but that's not a reason why we have to support him. And I, I think the, the entitlement of these people say that that's it. Yeah. It's over. If you don't drop out right now, then blah, blah, blah. What well, that, that, to do that, that again, that again is the irony of it, because, you know, one of the re reasons uh, he went after Jeb was because <laughs> 
Jeb felt entitled. It had the Bush name. Right, right, right. There you, you go. Know. Good point, Mike. He's wow. the Jeb of 2024. <laughs> so now he he's going to pick up an exclamation point, huh? <laughs> All right, folks, we'll close. No, maybe I'm going to start referring to him that way. What's that? I don't know. I'm going to. Maybe I'll start referring to him that way. I mean, I don't want to take him down because I like him, and he may wind up being the nominee, but he is acting like Jeb. Low energy Trump. <laughs> Victim. No, I don't think I don't think that one would stick. <laughs> Say what you know. want about him, but he's got I lots know. of energy. We got yeah, maybe we should come up with a good nickname. <laughs> okay, next week we should have Daniel back from England, I am assured. And um, we'll close it out for tonight. We'll be back next Wednesday, regular time. Please send feedback to the Libertarian Exchange at libertyblock.com. Um, pick up Alu's new book on gun control. It's all over Amazon, etc. He got a really nice review from an author named Blaine Pardo. Maybe we'll put that up as a link as well. With that, everyone, thank you and have a wonderful evening.